0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it might be where you're listening, it's always a great day to live life inspired and energized with fitness and faith. This is your fitness and faith coach, Mike Kipp, and I'd like to thank you for joining us for the Fitness and Faith podcast. Today, we will discuss winning. That's a great topic, at least if you like to win. We'll hear about a young engineer interviewing for his first job, and we'll visit with Daryl Fishbeck. Daryl serves as an associate pastor of worship and student ministry in the small town of Marble Falls, located in the beautiful Texas Hill Country. Thanks for joining us. For those of you that do not know, I'm a coach. I've been a coach most of my life. The first time I remember being called coach was when I was in high school and I coached my younger brother's baseball team. Then my senior year of high school football, we began the year without a defensive back coach. So our head coach asked me, since I was the only returning defensive back, to lead the defensive backs through the drills the first few days. And one of my teammates started calling me Coach Kip. I love being a coach because being a coach is about helping individuals and teams win. It's about helping people become better versions of themselves. It's about helping individuals with different gifts, abilities, and backgrounds work together for a common goal. Winning that's pretty important stuff. I love winning. Don't you love winning? But wait a minute, what is winning exactly? It usually depends on what we're doing. Is it scoring more points? If so, how do we score those points? Goals, runs, touchdowns, knocking down the most pins, having the best form, the fewest mistakes? If we're going to win an event that requires scoring points, we should probably know how we score. Sometimes winning is defined by getting less, fewer strokes, a faster time. Sometimes winning is defined by judges, human judges with different ideas of perfection, judging the details involved in things like music, dance, or appearances. That's kind of scary. The bottom line is this. We need to know what we must do to win, if we are going to win. We probably need to know the rules, the boundaries, the terminology. If not, we can be very confused about the expectations. That reminds me of a story a young boy told me of an experience watching his little brother's team play a little league baseball game. He said that he was at the game, and there was a little boy who had never played baseball before, and he was up to bat. Well, he walked, so the coaches told him, go go to first, go to first. And there was a first-base coach, and he said, hey, look, stay on, stay on first base here. Well, the next batter, he got to walk too, so he starts going to first. The first base coach had to tell the little boy on first. Now, you need to go to second. Go on to that next base over there. So the boy went over to the base. Then the third batter smashed a ball out into the outfield. Well, the little boy on second base who had never played baseball and didn't understand all the rules and expectations of the game did not know what to do. So the third base coach starts yelling at him, run, run, and he starts waving his arms towards him. Come on, come on, run. And the little boy starts running towards third base. Well, he's about halfway to third base, and the third base coach starts yelling, Go home! Go home! Well, the little boy stopped running, and he dropped his head. And he started crying. And he walked off the field towards the fence, and over at the fence, his mom met him, and she said, What are you doing? And the little boy, still crying, said, the coach told me to go home. Now, that's a sad but true story. A little bit funny now, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't too funny to the little boy. Um, we have to have a good idea of the expectations involved if we really want to win. So the question for us is, what does winning look like on our Inspired and Energized team? Simply put, winning with the Inspired and Energized life has three main objectives and expectations. Number one is accept the gift. The first and most important objective of this eternal event in which we are physically involved is accepting the gift of salvation God has offered through His Son, Jesus. We are told in God's Word that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's Word explains to us that God loved us so much that he gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And we can be certain through our belief of eternity with our creator because of that gift of his son. So number one, accept the gift. Number two and three go hand in hand with the first and are the main components of human life. They are relationships. Winning comes from relationships. In God's word, Jesus explains the importance of relationships when he was asked which of the religious laws were the most important. The answer was that all God's commands could be summed up in these two things. Love God with everything you are and have, and love others as yourself. So for us, winning looks like loving God and loving others. And the beauty of this type of win is it's a win-win proposition. When we win through loving relationships, those who receive the gifts of our love also win. At the end of the day, we can all do a little victory dance. That's what real winning looks like. Accept the gift, love God, love others. Simple, right? The goal at Fitness and Faith Ministries is to make sure you will win by helping you understand God's gift to you. Guiding you to your perfect fit in loving God and loving others. And coaching you to live life inspired and energized with fitness and faith. Join the team and let's win together. It's time once again for a little fitness and faith funny. Nearing the end of a job interview, the human resources officer asked a young engineer fresh out of college, what starting salary are you looking for? The young engineer replies, oh, in the neighborhood of 125000 a year, depending on the benefits package. The interviewer asks, well, what would you say to a package of about five weeks vacation, 14 paid holidays? Full medical and dental, company matching retirement funds up to 50% of your salary, and a company car. Let's say a red Corvette. The young engineer sits up straight and says, wow, are you kidding? The interviewer smiles and says, yeah, but you started it. Joining us today, we are here with Daryl Fishbeck. He is the associate pastor of Students and Worship at Fellowship Baptist Church in Marble Falls, Texas. Daryl, thanks for being with us today.
1: You bet, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, really excited about this and uh, appreciate all that you're doing.
0: Well, can you give us a little of your background and how you ended up in ministry?
1: You bet. Um, I was what you'd call a church kid. Um, I was um, grew up going to church. My parents. Um, took me to church all the time. over we there Sundays, uh, Sunday nights, Wednesdays, and my dad was a deacon. He had keys to the church, so we were there sometimes other nights. But I was, I was that kid that was just always, always at church. And um, I grew up in Blanco, Texas, a small town, and so there wasn't a whole lot to do. Um, and so church, in a lot of regards, was, was also a lot of my um, social context, a lot of my friends, and just kind of kind of my comfort zone. And so I grew up in that atmosphere. And um, as I got older, got in high school, um, music was also a, a, a big part of my life. And um, we had a, a guy come in my junior, senior year to be our, our youth and music pastor there at, at the church. And it kind of was, was drawn to that, that concept, that idea. And then as a the senior in uh, high school, I've Kind of thought through what do I like, what do I want, to, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? I'm not sure I still have that figured out. And um, I was at a, a camp, a leadership camp, and just felt like God impressed on my heart that vocational ministry was where He was drawing me. And so I surrendered to the ministry and ended up at uh, University of Maryland and Baylor and Belton and got a church music degree and kind of followed in that same uh, footsteps. I, I knew I didn't, or I didn't sense a call to pastoring or, or missions or anything like that, but I just was drawn to music, and I was drawn to student ministry, and um, I've been kind of in both of those capacities for, gosh, 20, 23 years now.
0: What musical instrument did you play in high school?
1: Well, growing up, um, my mom put me in the piano lessons, and that lasted until sports started, <laughs> um, but it, growing up in the, in the church, it was always children's choir, and so we were always singing, and so my voice was kind of the one thing that that was my main instrument. And I picked up a little piano and then um, just kind of was able to play by ear, and kind of self-taught for a while um, after taking lessons. And then of course got into college and had to do be a little bit more proficient. And, and now I play, I'm, I'm dangerous on the guitar. I know a few chords and <laughs> so primarily I sing, but I do play a keyboard and a little, little bit of guitar.
0: My mom kept pushing me when I was young, play an instrument, play an instrument, play an instrument. So I finally said, all right. You want me to play an instrument? I pick the drums. And <laughs> and so, you know, I, I made a lot of noise and and you know, but I'm glad I picked it up. It was a it was a good hobby and I still play today. For those that don't know, Blanco and Marble Falls are about an hour west of Austin, Texas. Most of y'all can probably put Austin, Texas on a map, but anyway, those two places are or 45 minutes to an hour west of Austin. Daryl, can you describe your physical journey for us? I know that you know over the last few years, you've made a last couple of years, especially made a big transition.
1: Yeah, um, for me, growing up, I was I was kind of the chunky kid. My grandmother always said I was husky and, and big bone. You know how the grandmas are, try and make you feel better about it, but then they they want to feed you, and so I I uh, was the the chunky kid. Um, and then didn't really get involved in sports until middle school. I kind of hit a growth spurt, slimmed up a little, and just really fell in love with sports and was pretty active all through middle school and high school, small town. You, you kind of play all the sports. And so I really I really loved that. And then I got to college, gave baseball a try for about a semester, but it was too competing too much with my degree, and so I, I stopped doing that. And then life changes, and you, you get married, and you have kids, and you're trying to figure out a new career and um fitness and uh, things like that kind of get put on the back burner and you just don't have time for them and so really for all of my adult life i've kind of gone up and down physically I, I would get committed to to losing weight and i'd start working out and running and life would change you know you have the birth of your child and um you change careers something like that and then you fall into bad habits and so for, for me i would the worst that I ever got, or the heaviest I ever got was about 260, and it was, you just kind of put on the weight, get frustrated, and you do something, you figure out how to how to lose it. So I've kind of been up and down. I have discovered that it was a lot easier to lose weight when I was younger, <laughs> and the older you get, the harder it is to, to lose it, but it's just kind of been uh, an up and down journey
0: for me. And you said the, the last couple of years, though, you've been... Uh... I think you've made some pretty significant progress, haven't you?
1: I have, yes. Um, About three to four years ago, I kind of started trying to lose some weight, and I got down from 260 down to about 230, 235, um, and then just kind of stuck there for a while. And then about two summers ago, um, I decided I would actually uh, use the gym membership. I was paying for but not going. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of got got consistent and um, went from 230, 235. Um, I've been about 195 for about a year now, so I lost another 30, 40 pounds. Some of it was in response to dealing with some stress in life, um, and it became kind of more than just I'm losing weight. It was kind of to keep some balance in my life. But, uh, yeah, the last two years has really been the most significant and the most sustained uh, for all of my adult life, really. I'm sure many
0: people that heard you say um, that you – Spent money on a gym membership and didn't use it can relate, and then those have, and there's others that have bought equipment. You know, I'm going to buy this machine and it'll do it for me. And you know, it's a funny thing, gym memberships and machines don't do anything for us if we don't use them.
1: Right, and it and it's it's something has to change. Something has to really kind of click to where you get frustrated enough. Or something. I know for me, I had gotten this membership here at Anytime Fitness in Marble Falls, and It was fairly convenient, but not the easiest to get to. And I went for a little while and then just stopped going. Well, they moved locations, and their new location was on the road to the church, and I had to drive past it two or three times every day. (laughs) And so I finally realized, you know, it's right there. You better use it. And and that was the thing that really kind of got me going
0: back. You know, I guess the same thing could be said spiritually you know, people think they can just, you know, give their money to the church and, and grow spiritually. You know, that's not going to happen if they don't uh, put some effort into it. Exactly. Well, Why do you think both the physical and the spiritual development are important for us?
1: For me, it, I, I think it has to do with the fact that as, as human beings, we're really complex. And the way God created us, you know, He gave us a, a physical body, but we also have a mind and a soul, and we have emotions, the heart. And we have all these different components, and I, I, I believe we were created to be integrated, to be to be whole, where our everything kind of is the same. It, it, it's balanced from our physical to our emotional, our spiritual, and it's you, you kind of can't really just focus on one without it, to some degree, being connected to, to the others. Um, so often, I think we get almost. Disintegrated to a certain regard where our emotions don't necessarily match our, our external behavior or different things like that. And I believe health is rooted in more of an aspect of being whole, um, where physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, all those things are connected to one another. It's not just one without the other.
0: Well, what is your favorite form of exertion, physical exertion?
1: Well, for me, that's easy. I go running. Running is my, my go to. Uh, um, mainly because it's easy, and I don't mean the running's the easy, but it's uh, you, you put on shoes and you get outside and you go. Um, as well as it is outside, I, I can
0: handle running
1: on a treadmill, but I don't prefer it. I'd rather be on the road, or I'd rather be on a trail somewhere out, out in nature. It's just kind of the thing that I've always turned to. Whether it's when I, you know, when I put on some weight, and I'm like, I need to lose some weight. The first thing I think of is I'm, I'm going to go running. But for me it's also a mental and even emotional thing i know when i get stressed out the easiest thing to do to to really kind of get myself leveled off again is to go for a run it just clears my head sometimes i i think better and i just there's so many spiritual connections to running for me personally and it's it's just kind
0: of kind of my go-to i'm afraid of running deathly afraid i i try to i try to make all the excuses i can you know there's cars out there and uh in the Hill Country out here, I might run into a deer or something and I just don't want to hurt exactly. myself so no i'm I'm like a lot of people though find find excuses for things you don't want to do, but I think that's one of the right. keys is finding something that you do like to do and and so for each of us, finding that thing just happens to be that long distance running is not my thing. What about your favorite way to work on your spiritual self
1: for me um, it would it would be typically it would be Something in the morning, quiet contemplation, reading—whether it's scripture, whether I'm reading a book that's challenging me—I uh, need time to sit and listen and be still and be quiet. Um, but I'm also uh, kind of a random personality where I get—I get bored real easy, and uh, I like routine, but I don't like getting stuck in a rut. And so it, it may be where for three months, uh, my schedule allows me to get up early and read and just kind of watch the sunrise. And then the schedule gets hectic and it may take on another form, whether it's uh, more active or doing something or serving or, or it might even be music. or, or you just It takes on different forms. It's not just kind of constant all the time, but, but I would have to say I, I prefer to, to just kind of read and think.
0: Well, one of the things that Fitness and Faith Ministries that we encourage people to do is change up their routine a little bit every once in a while, just to not get in that rut. You know, whether that means a different time, whether it means a different place, whether it means you know, okay, I'm going to engulf myself in some Christian music, uh, whatever, whatever it looks like. You know, I think we all need to change it up every once in a while.
1: Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, we talk so much in Christian circles about having a relationship with God, and then we, I think, take the life out of it because we, we turn it into a checklist. And, you know, any good, healthy relationship we have with somebody, there are things that you do consistently, but then there are kind of moments that are, that are different and experiences that are out of the box, so to speak, and whether it's... um you know, reading or prayer or scripture or meditating or go, going and sitting by a lake or, or something like that, I think, like you said, with, with fitness, you got to find what works for you and your personality. Um, and then even once you find something, that doesn't mean you have to do that one thing all the time. Uh, it, it's a relationship. God's a person, and, and he communicates with us in, in different ways. And I believe personally, he communicates to each one of us in unique ways, the way He's made us, and so there's there's definitely experimenting and finding that that kind of what works for you.
0: How about a favorite Bible verse? Do you have one of those you'd like to share with us?
1: I do. Um, it's Matthew three seventeen, and it's kind of a, a weird. When you say, "What's your favorite Bible verse?" it seems like a weird one because the the verse is uh, it says, "This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased," and it's God the Father speaking to to his son Jesus, you know, when he's been baptized and he's coming up and he's kind of uh, recognizing, you know, who he is and acknowledging him. But for me, that verse is so special because it ties into kind of some of my struggles in life and my spiritual journey and the, the struggle I've had with identity uh, growing up as the church kid, as I said, um, and, and also just kind of my personality as an individual, performance, I think that's why I like sports so much—the competition, the the performing, the, the the doing something well, and getting the strokes kind of type thing. Um, I kind of viewed God that way as as I was trying to earn His favor, and for most of my life, I guess I felt like I was doing an okay job. But it's it's a never-ending battle because it's always okay. Have I done enough? And that that was that's my inner shame is. Am I enough? Am I good enough? And so my life was really rooted in trying to, to prove my worth to the people around me, but more so to prove it to God, but then not really knowing where, where I stood. About eight, nine years ago, um, I came to really a crisis of belief in my life, and it, w- it was based on uh, making some very selfish choices. Uh, I, like the prodigal son, I just kind of headed out into a distant land, made some very dumb choices and hurt a lot of people, um, hurt my family, hurt my friends, hurt the church I was at, and I had my rock-bottom experience. I had, as the prodigal son, I came to the end of myself, finally. Um, And that's the problem with the religious mindset, is even if it's not working, you kind of think it is to a certain degree until something happens that you can no longer control. Where, where the rug is kind of pulled out from under you, or you really pull your own rug out from under you. And it was in that moment when I, I related to Peter, I related to the prodigal for the first time, really, of just feeling worthless, feeling I had nothing left. And it was in that moment when it was like God came in and said, okay, now maybe you'll listen to me. Um, and he spoke love and grace and mercy to me. And it took that failure to open my ears to to be able to hear he never wanted me to try and earn his favor, that I had his favor all along, and so yet I still struggle with that old voice. And so the phrase, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, is something I have to choose to, to believe and trust in, and it's a reminder that I'm his son too, I'm a child of God, And. That verse helps me battle that inner when that inner shame wants to rise up oh you're failing, you're not doing good enough, God's disappointed in you things like that. no, he's pleased in me just as I am because i'm I'm his child and so so matthew three seventeen has come to be really really meaningful to me
0: you know we're all going to be disappointed with ourselves at different times in our lives, <laughs> maybe each day. I think it's real important for us to realize that God looks at us through his son that that took away that shame you were talking about. That took away definitely, our, definitely. our sin, and uh, God views us through that through that window, and and we don't have to take all that with us. Exactly, that's so so right. Well, you being an athlete guy and me being a coach guy, how about a favorite quote? You got one of those for us?
1: <laughs> oh, there's so many, <laughs> but the, the one that that really kind of it's a long one, but it kind of connects to where I am and my journey. It, and I don't know who uh who said it or where it came from, but it just basically says maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you so you can be who you were meant to be in the first place um and and again this this relates to I think athletes in in many regards struggle with this because sports is is built around performance. I mean, that's the whole point is to to achieve, to accomplish, and to perform. And it's, and it's hard not to attach your identity to how well you perform, uh, good or bad. And I think we can carry that into life um, as far as our careers or whatever we attach our worth to. And what I'm learning just now is, you know, I'm 45 years old and I feel like I'm just now learning some of what life is about is that, um, so much of what we do and what we try to achieve and what we try to accomplish becomes this, this exterior person that's it's really not us. It's almost like we're wearing a mask and we're trying to find favor and, and, and hide all the, the real things about us when the reality is that the, the real us is getting hidden and, and letting go of all those expectations and all those external things and learning to just relax and be who we were created to be and, and live out of that. And, and that's, a, that's a hard, it's, a hard, it's easy to, easier said than done, I guess is the way to put it. But that, that quote has really, really been, become uh, very meaningful to me.
0: And could you repeat it one more time? Because it was kind of long, and, and I would like for people to hear it again.
1: It says, maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming things. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you, so you can be who you were meant to be in the first place.
0: Awesome. I've heard it referred to as uh, the false self. You know that we put this yes. we put this false self on that we're this person or we're that or we you know uh, you were talking about music or athletics. You know that we're that person, um, and, and we use that as our little our little shield, our uniform, if you will. Um, but, but, yeah,
1: I think I, my personal philosophy is I think it really ties back into Adam and Eve in the garden um, when they sinned, and their first reaction was to try and t- to cover it up. You know, never do we really see in that whole story God becoming angry. I think a lot of preachers and well-meaning teachers have kind of assumed he was angry and read into the story that he was angry, but it's more about how they responded than how God responded. God God still loves them, but their tendency was to cover up and to run away and to blame someone else. And I think we still do that today. Absolutely. When God is trying to come closer to us and, and, and earn earn our trust, we're still kind of cowering over here in the corner, like you said, that false self, um, kind of that ego-driven. Uh, we're afraid, I think, if people really knew us that they, they would reject us. Right. And so we've got, to, we've got to cover up who we really are when we're not getting to be who we really are, and that's it's a shame sometimes, but that's just a pretty normal thing that we do
0: well I think part of that's that journey you were talking about you know you said you were what'd you say forty five yeah yeah we're you know we continue to get wisdom uh, of course we all knew everything when we were seventeen um <laughs> and then we realize later that we didn't and then we you know get into our forties and then we kind of think we got it more figured out, but we're coming to the realization that we don't know it all and are probably never going to know it all and then you know join me up in here in the 50s and it's the same situation you think you got it more figured out but you know you're going to learn a lot more for the rest of your life yeah
1: and you know the, the, the kind of the mantra or the, the the thing that i hear a lot these days is is the grind you got to grind it out and you know life can be Grinding and stuff, but but I think the message behind it is if you just keep pushing, you just keep working, you'll figure it out, you'll make it work, and that's that's not really the case. Is is we can't. The whole point of the gospel is coming to the end of ourselves and saying, you know, I can't do it. I need help. I need God's grace. I need God's mercy. And in many ways, it's it's liberating and freeing because I think maybe that's what Jesus meant. My yoke is easy, my burden is light compared to the, the, the burden that we put on ourselves to try and, like you said, conquer the world and think we've got it all figured out. And um, it, it takes, like for me, it took failure. It took a, a nosedive um, where, you know, there was no damage control. There was no picking picking up the pieces. It was, it's either you got or nothing else. Right. And, you know, I've, I've never been... Through AA or I know um, Celebrate Recovery is another great uh, recovery process, but I've studied some of their stuff, and I honestly believe they have a greater grasp of the gospel than many many churches. And and the the first step says I came to the realization that my life was unmanageable; I, I couldn't make it work. And I think that's the heart of of the gospel is is crying out to God, and saying, "God help." <laughs> You know, and, and, and not what's three steps I can do to make my life better, but I'm stuck. I, I have nothing. And God, just like the Father and the Prodigal Son, comes running because he, that's what He's drawn to is that, that brokenness and that honesty and that humility.
0: Well, how about the million dollar question? If you could put only one thing on a T shirt or billboard that everyone you know or with whom you come in contact could see every single day, what would that one thing be?
1: Well, you know, this is, again, it's personal. I hope and feel like there are people that will relate to it. But for me, it would be the phrase, God's not disappointed in you. And that goes back again to that that inner voice of shame that I I still battle of what's enough, am I enough, and trying to say, you know what, you know, God's not disappointed in me. He he loves me as I am. He accepts me, and and just something that I think... In our world we live in, sometimes even the message maybe even well-meaning. Christianity puts out there, paints this picture of God that may not be quite true. Um, people that have nothing to do with the Church, nothing to do with faith or Christianity, uh, sometimes um, don't want to because it's it's often a heavy-handed message. Um, and, and I used to believe that. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, you know what, and I have to remind myself, God's not disappointed in you. God's not disappointed in you. So I, I'd i say that's that's the billboard I would put
0: out there. Awesome. Well, how can people uh, find you out there on the Internet world?
1: Well, uh, Marble Falls is a small town. you probably run into me at Starbucks or <laughs> somewhere like that. But um, I am at Fellowship Baptist Church in Marble Falls. And um, on social media, Facebook and Instagram are really the two places that I'm the most active. But um, our... Um, church, uh, website, fmf.life. My email address is, is, is there. Um, you can contact me that way and, um, I'm, I'm pretty easy to track down.
0: Awesome. Well, again, we really appreciate you being with us today. Uh, really appreciate the message that you have. And, and I know that some people out there can surely relate to it.
1: Well, I sure appreciate you for having me, Mike, and I appreciate what you're doing. I think this is an incredible ministry and I think you are doing really great work.
0: Thanks again for joining us for the Fitness and Faith Podcast. Please be sure to check out our website at fitnessandfaithministries.org, where you will find valuable tools and information like our blog, exertion video links, links to healthy recipes, and more, all designed to help you find your fit. Use the contact page to send us your fitness and faith funny or suggest someone who would be a great fitness and faith interview. Please visit the partnering page to see how you can become more involved with Fitness and Faith Ministries. And remember, it's always a great day to live life inspired and energized with Fitness and Faith.